0: got to get a job 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 got to get a proper job got to get a 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 proper job got to get a 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 proper job i've got one hello I'm Ollie Double. I'm a lecturer in drama at the University of Kent, and this is the proper job gradcast in which we explore how a degree in drama can lead to all kinds of exciting careers in the arts. This will be of interest to you if you're thinking of studying drama at Kent, or you're currently studying drama at Kent and are thinking about what you might want to do afterwards, or you just enjoy excellent banter. In each episode, I interview a Kent drama graduate working in the arts, and this time I'm talking to Kyra Gray. I'm going to introduce Kyra to you by uh, going back to a memory of mine that we talk about in the interview. I I was in charge of a a module uh, in Kyra's first year called Making Performance 2, which culminates in a festival performance which the students have devised and perform. And the final show of that year was uh, a sketch, a fantastic comedy sketch which was a kind of deranged children's programme. And all four of the students involved were great, but two in particular stood out as being gifted comic performers. And one of those was Kyra. I didn't have anything more to do with her until her third year, when she took my stand-up comedy module. She was really funny, like properly funny. It's not that unusual to have a student who's clearly got funny bones, but it's always exciting when it happens. And Kyra was one of those students. So when she got up, people started laughing immediately. And then just before she graduated, she popped in to see me in my office to ask about following stand-up as a career. So I gave her some advice and then she graduated and went off into the world. I didn't really think much more about it until I came across a post of hers on Instagram, I think it was, where she was talking about the stand-up she was doing. And there was a great clip of her doing stand-up. So I thought she'd be a great interviewee to talk on The Proper Job gradcast. And so without further ado... Let's hear from Kyra.
1: Um, so I'm Kyra Gray and I graduated in 2019.
0: Yeah. Two- <laughs> I noticed a wince there. <laughs> What's the problem with 2019?
1: It feels like it was the other day, but it was two years ago. Like, I remember my first day of uni. So the fact that I graduated two years ago, so the fact that I started five years ago, is just, it makes me feel sick
0: but it's just that thing of being at that stage in life where you suddenly realize the passage of time is quicker than it, it used to seem
1: yeah very much so so yeah two years ago two years ago wow
0: and and also what are two years because we've had to deal with the pandemic and everything in between then and now fun
1: I feel like we were literally the last year that escaped the pandemic after us everyone that graduated after us has really just been caught in it and I feel really sorry for them but
0: I've heard the pandemic described as a time swamp.
1: I went into the pandemic when I was 21 and I came out in 23. And I feel like they've just robbed me of my early 20s.
0: I'm going to try and take us into more positive areas. <laughs> so um, what, what's your current job and what kind of things does it entail?
1: Um, so I am a stand-up comedian, but I also am doing my part-time job uh, for money-wise, money's sake. Um, so obviously my stand-up comedian job is self-explanatory. Um, I'm still doing shows, I'm still hosting and stuff like that, but I'm on the side I, I'm a bar supervisor and we also hold events in that venue as well. So um, I'm, I overlook events and you know we hold comedy shows in that venue as well, so it's still helping me with my other job as well, so it's kind of like everything coming into one basically.
0: Well, you're a kind of perfect interviewee in a way, because I mean that's gonna be a typical pattern for many people after they graduate, having to have their day job, as it were, and then, you know, balance that against what they want to do. And so that's but also what's interesting is of course your day job it has relevance, as you just said, to your to, to your, you know, the job that you want to go on to do full time at some point.
1: So when I graduated, I had a full time job. I was working in the theater a theatre as a team leader. Then obviously when into the pandemic. Um, but then I had a nine to five as an account manager and he just wasn't doing it. Like, I, I just realised I'm not a nine to five person at all. It was affecting my creativity. I felt like I couldn't think anymore. And I was just like, no, nah, it has to be a part time job if it's something that you seriously want to like get into in terms of like what you love to do with your art as well. So that's one thing that I realised.
0: Well, I think that's a really good tip, isn't it? That if you know, if you if you if you need money coming, which we all do, then get then choosing the right day job, the the you know whether it's part time or full time or whatever is really important in allowing you to progress. So, I, I want to double click on the uh, stand up comedian. So, tell me how that how that how you got into that.
1: Um, so I was actually in Kent. Um, so obviously we did the introduction to stand up comedy module in my final year. Um. And before I did that, like, I've always loved stand up comedy, but it never seemed like an option for me. Like I just, I didn't feel like I had the ability to do it or the confidence to do it. So when we did it in that module and it was actually you, you were like, you know, you're, you're really good at this. Like you have a lot of confidence on stage. It comes really naturally to you. Um, So after doing it, I was just like, why not? Like This is something that I could definitely do professionally. So after I did it in the module, I started doing it like around Canterbury. And then when I came back to London, that's when I met my manager. So then I started doing shows around London as well. So then, yeah, that's how we're here today.
0: Um, That's brilliant. I mean, one of my questions was going to be, how did you get from graduating to where you are now? But you've kind of started to answer that. But I I mean, another one I was going to ask you was, how did studying drama at Kent help you to get where you are now? And you've already talked about the stand-up module, but I would actually take it further back to your First year module where you did uh, in the summer festival, you did a, a is this not right? Didn't you do a, a comic uh, comedy sketch in your first year?
1: I can't actually remember. My first year, it feels so long ago.
0: <laughs> I think you did. I, I do remember and I think you were really super funny in it.
1: But Yeah, with, it was like me and I can't remember their names. That's so bad. But yeah, you did like a kids show, but it was like a kids show gone wrong.
0: A kids show gone wrong? I remember going away and thinking, "Okay, there's a couple of amazing comic performers in that sketch. One of one of which was you." It's
1: like you knew from back then.
0: Isn't <laughs> so, 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 uh, tell me about um, how you got into. Uh, um, I, w- I want to sort of dig a bit deeper in, in how you got started doing stand up. Um, so, so you 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 found out that it was something that you could do when you while you were studying with us. And then you started doing shows in Canterbury. But when you moved to London, how did you get into that? Because that's, that's quite a difficult hump to get over for some people.
1: Yeah, no, um, I was really panicking at first, actually, because I, I didn't know how to navigate around it. Like, I didn't know where to go, who to talk to. Because obviously, I didn't know anyone that was doing comedy. Um, but when I came back to London, I went to a networking event with the Wall of Comedy. I don't know if you've heard of them um, they do like YouTube videos, they're quite big on social media. So um, before the pandemic happened, they were doing these like monthly meet and greets. Um, so I went to it with my friend and obviously I spoke to the people that run it and I told them I'm a standup comedian, you know, I'm, I'm just looking for live experience. I, I don't really know where to navigate, you know. Um, and they basically introduced me to their events manager, which is the person that runs their standup comedy nights. So he asked me to show my material, did I had videos I was like yeah here you go (laughs) um and he was like all right cool there's a show on this date you're performing and I was like sick okay so that was my first show was actually at the NED in London which is crazy to think about so I did that show and I carried on doing shows with him um and he he was seeing my progress and then there was like one show that I did and I just shut it down and then after that show he asked me if I wanted him to manage me and I was like yes of course sick um so since then, yeah, I've just been doing more and more shows. But now I think I'm trying to navigate my way into like the mainstream comedy circuit, which is another difficult hurdle to try and get past.
0: Well, let's double click on that then, because presumably you're, I mean, I'm only saying this because I know about your, your stuff from seeing stuff on social media and videos and things. But so we, your first way into it, was that through the black comedy circuit?
1: My way into the comedy circuit was definitely through the black comedy circuit, more of the urban comedy circuit because it's quite it's quite small and everyone kind of knows each other. So through doing those shows and people seeing me perform, it was quite easy for people to see me perform and then book me. So then that's how I was getting loads of shows because everyone kind of talks, everyone knows each other. You see the same faces at these shows as well as so you become friends with people really quickly. So it's, it's very easy to kind of get comfortable in that circuit. And I don't want to get comfortable because unfortunately it's really sad, but like, black comedians aren't really appreciated as much in the UK so it's almost it's like there's a there's a glass ceiling on how far someone can get in the the black comedy circuit alone so you have to transfer into the mainstream comedy circuit in order for you to kind of get to where you need to get to which is a really difficult as I said it's a difficult hurdle to try and get through Um, especially if you're used to performing to a certain type of crowd and the people that you need to speak to in these very specific comedy clubs that you need to like it's, it seems like a very particular like recipe that you have to follow so um I'm in the process of doing that now just going on the Facebook and you know just searching for all the comedy clubs looking at different gong shows um because that's how you're going to meet the, the little people behind the scenes you know so yeah that's what I'm in the process of doing now
0: thank you that's really interesting i i I mean there's there was a really brilliant documentary by i think mo gilligan about the british black circuit which i thought was really brilliant about about this issue of the glass ceiling and so on and what's quite shocking is i know that um black comedians have talked about that since the 90s you know and talked about getting you know moving into the mainstream circuit so it's 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 a long-term problem really and i don't i don't Apart from racism, which is obviously a reason it it seems strange because I mean you know the people who have broken through like mo gilligan are amazing so it 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 you know it seems why wouldn't you be interested in a a kind of you know a kind of a, a pool of talent like that
1: um, it just feels like the british British people are very they don't like change and we see that with like there were so many complaints last year Christmas when, I can't I don't know if it was Marks and Spencers or and they had a, a full all-black family in the adverb, there were loads of complaints about it and people felt like they were being erased and I'm just like, you've never seen this before, this is the first time you see it and automatically you feel threatened. So I feel like when it comes to black comedians, it's very much like a one-in-one-out kind of thing. So we have Lenny Henry, then you know, now we have Mo Gilligan. And you know, Judy loves now coming up. So it just feels like there's like a, they allow you to have your shine, but it's like, there's a chosen one. They won't allow a group of black comedians to shine at the same time. Because like, I don't know, it's it's so weird. This country is just weird, but the way racism is so entwined in the way everyone thinks in the way people act, it's, it's built into our society. So unfortunately, I don't think it's something that's gonna change right now, but I definitely see a growth and a change in the amount of influencers that are about now and the fact that people are taking it into their own house to create content people like chunks and Fiddy are now on like channel four and there's a there are a few um all black reality tv shows coming out as well so stuff like that shows that we are really starting to make a change so hopefully things will start to get better very soon
0: and I think as well, the, the, you know, the, I think the, the, the point you make about the and Spencer's advert is a really good one. I mean, there is no possible reason to complain about that unless you are racist. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's no other interpretation.
1: I'm so confused. What do you possibly have to complain about? People Right. also like, why aren't there any white families in the advert? And I'm just like, you see white families everywhere else. All the time. All the time. Like, why is it that this one black family in this one advert Has triggered you so much like I feel like a lot of a lot of racist white people in this country kind of feel like there's like an agenda and like black people are gonna revolt and I don't know turn them into slaves I don't know if they they just feel like one day people are just gonna wake up and there's gonna be a, a race war they're just I don't get it I don't get it it's so confusing but Honestly, if you try to understand the mind of a racist,
0: you'll go mad. So I think you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it. And, and by the way, um just for the listener, I'm I'm having to suppress laughter through a lot of what Kyra's saying because she's expressing it so funnily. Um, I'm just trying to not just make the audio not not too chaotic. Yeah, I think I think you've nailed it. I think I think you can't really understand why why people think so weirdly, um, and and it's just depressing. But let's move on to something less depressing, which is. A couple of things you've said are really interesting, and, it, and it's funny because it comes out pretty much everybody who I interview for this podcast, which is to do with networking. So you went to a networking event, and that immediately sort of opened things up for you. But now you're talking about moving into the mainstream circuit, and again, meeting people and and networking and getting to know people. How important has that been for you so far?
1: Networking is so 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 important. Like, if I because the thing is, I I was really really nervous. I wasn't even going to speak to them that night. My friend was like, we're not leaving until you talk to them. And had she not said that, I probably wouldn't even be here right now. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it's so important to talk to people because this industry is all about who you know, like, and as much as it's about talent, but there are some talented people that people don't know because they haven't taken that big step and, and spoken to people. A lot of the way that you get shows is by word of mouth people seeing you perform and then asking oh who's that and then you know you have to you have to build a rapport with these people it's honestly just the way of the world It's how it works networking is so 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 important I can't even explain how important it is you need to have your name out there so you need to talk to people and it's very important to have people that believe in you as well people that are on the same journey as you because as much as comedians are very much like they want their success and you know they want to be the one that makes it when you're all going through that journey together there is a level of you know oh if I have a show I'll let you know or you know if someone asks me if I know anyone else I'll let you know so it's really important to build that that level of friendship with with other comedians as well so you re- you just need to be speaking to people
0: and I, and I think what you said was really interesting about you know but you finding it nerve-wracking but doing it anyway and that was the decisive move I, I also think that Often when I talk to people about networking, they're a little bit kind of shamefaced about it as if like it sounds like a cynical thing. But I don't think it is. I think it's just how the how we it's not, you know, you you can sort of say, oh, it's not what you know, it's who you know, as if that that means that everything's closed to you. But actually, it doesn't mean everything's closed to you. It's just like making friends like like you would do in any job, any walk of life, any aspect of your life. You make friends and then sometimes the people, you know, are going to ask you stuff and then you can ask people you know stuff and then hopefully things come from there it's not a cynical thing at all I think
1: especially like with a lot of these shows people put on their friends to these shows you know so as much as it's about being a good comedian and practicing and having a stage presence it's also about the fact that a lot of these people just book people that they know because it's easy you know they don't have to go through the stress of trying to sort out people's fees and having to book like trying to find people on Facebook or Instagram so literally just knowing other comedians it kind of just gets you bookings automatically and you're already building up that experience so I, I had to take that step because I've suffered from anxiety and I, I know that it can get really bad but I'm also aware that I can't allow that to get in the way of my career so it's, you almost have to have that conversation with yourself to determine on whether you're going to stay in the same position for the rest of your life or whether you're actually going to take that step forward and take that risk and not allow fear to kind of control you. So it's definitely very important.
0: I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, that, that, you, that your chosen sort of goal is to become a stand-up comedian when you what? when you have anxiety, right?
1: It's ridiculous. I think about it every day. I'm like, of all the jobs I actually could have done, Why? why have I chosen to put my life in the hands of people in the audience and decide whether I'm funny or not. It's just quite ridiculous, but um, it's really weird because my anxiety doesn't really affect me on stage. Like I get really, really nervous before a show, but once I'm on stage, it, it's it gone. It My anxiety more so affects me when I'm meeting people, when I'm in big crowds, when I'm like posting on social media, that is that is a massive thing for me. So it affects me in different ways, but funnily enough, when I'm, when I'm performing, it's
0: not a weakness for me I mean it's interesting a couple of things from that I mean one is that i I don't think by any means you're the only comedian who suffers from anxiety. I think there's going to be a lot of it in in the profession and then the other thing is um it's interesting that you say that it kind of goes away when you're on stage because I think that's what I saw in you when you were you know when you were doing the stand up module particularly was that you just you just looked so comfortable up there and that counts for a lot because it communicates with the audience the audience start to like you straight away and when they like you they laugh more and um i i, I think that's uh that's a that's a massive strength of yours actually okay so uh, we've kind of um we've kind of been through most of this I've, got, I've only really got one question left but i before we get to that last question i mean are, are there any sort of tips that you would give people um thinking about how to you know, how to manage their lives after they graduate to, to be able to get to where they want to get to in the arts. I mean, what, what have you learned about that from the from where you've got to so far?
1: What I've learned is that you're still young, you know, and you can't rush anything. That's probably my main thing, simply because with comedy, it's not a immediate like benefit. You don't see the benefit straight away. Some people are doing comedy for 10, 15 years before they even see the level of success that they've always dreamt of you know so you really have to fall in love with the journey and fall in love with what you're doing in order for you to kind of appreciate where it's taking you um and I'm I'm a religious person and I believe that God has painted a path for me and I know that whatever God is destined for me that no man can ever really take away do you know what I mean so I'm not panicking on where my life is gonna go because i I know I know that I'm destined for really good things but it's just about be impatient with yourself, not beating yourself up if you don't see things immediately. Um, just work on your craft, write, you know, writing is, is always going to be, it was always going to help you, you know. Don't be upset if you're having to do a job that you feel like is beneath you, you know. I had to go back into bar work and I was doing bar work when I was 18, 19, 20 and I had to go back into it because it's the only thing that I could balance with my with my comic life, so whatever you have to do to sacrifice I don't know it's like whatever you feel like you need to do you need to do it and you can't think of what other people are thinking about you you know because you know that you're doing it for a reason so unfortunately being a creative is a very draining draining thing but it always it's always worth it in the end so you really just have to stick it out man you just have to be patient
0: I think that's that's a great thing, though. I think it's great for anybody who's listening to this who is religious, who could perhaps get strength from their faith. But actually talking about faith in the bigger sense, even if you don't have faith in, in the religious sense, having having faith that you will get there if you keep going and keep working on your craft. I think that's really important. And I think as well the thing about um, not feeling you've got to rush it, not feeling you've got to, to have got, there immediately and 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 not panicking if two years goes by you know particularly if there's a pandemic because within those two years
1: it's been two years since I left uni so technically it's two years since I've since I've started stand-up comedy but with lockdown we've been locked down for like a year and a half so technically I haven't really been doing stand up comedy professionally for that long so sometimes when I get frustrated at myself that I'm not where I feel like I should be I have to really remember that I've achieved a lot in the short amount of time that I've been doing it, and it's only going to get better. So you just, you honestly just keep having to have that conversation with yourself. And
0: also, speaking as somebody who is well old officially, um, when somebody says you know they feel like life's go by quickly and they're twenty three, I'm like, yeah, okay, just, you just wait. <laughs> it's gonna, you know, you, there's a lot of time left in front of you, right?
1: I feel like it's a societal thing though, like especially yeah. society makes women feel like they only have a certain amount of time to achieve certain things. And it's like your body clock's running out, you know, your beauty's running out, you know, you're not going to be that small forever. Like there's always a limit on women. So I feel like there's always that, like, that thing in the back of our minds that we have to do it now, like whilst we're still young and fresh. So hopefully society will change and people will start to realise that there are people out there that haven't discovered what they want to do until they're 35 or 40 or even 50 you know people
0: change jobs all the time so yeah i mean matter, one, of, one of the sort of great american stand-ups phyllis diller didn't start till her late 30s so you know yeah. so so it, it yeah i mean i think and i think as well going back to the thing i mean you know, even if society doesn't change because unfortunately society does tend to stick to bad habits but that but even if society doesn't change i think having that faith that okay calm down it's okay it's not that long you know that i've been spending doing i think exactly as you said you know if you take a pandemic in, in into account you've already just started really so my last question uh this is called a proper job gradcast, and it comes from the idea that people drama students even make fun of themselves to sort of say they'll never get a proper job and it's it's actually just wrong it's not it's not true so what would you say to people who say that a drama degree won't lead to a proper job that's
1: rubbish it's absolute rubbish a drama degree is, is still a degree and the things that you learn. In a drama degree are things that other degrees can't really teach you like there's a level of confidence that you have you know how to speak to people you know um you know how to communicate well you know how to work within a team you know how to work by yourself and those are qualities that most companies are looking for honestly even if you're not even looking for a creative job you have people skills and you can do absolutely anything honestly if you get through a drama degree you, there's nothing in life that you actually can't do so there's no job that won't take you I was an account manager. I don't do maths I don't care about maths I can't do anything I don't have any qualifications for maths like you could actually do anything of just being a nice person being a people person being able to like get along with the manager during your interview and honestly being a stand-up comedian is actually what got me my last job because they knew that that meant that I could talk to people and that people would find that interesting about me so honestly you never know yeah, this world is full of opportunities, man. You can you can even create opportunities for yourself. Go on YouTube. There's so many things that you could do. Listen, there's listen. The world is not ending. You, you can do it. You're fine. You're fine.
0: Lots of really great stuff from Kyra Gray there. I find the idea of somebody who suffers from anxiety. Becoming a stand-up comedian really interesting. I, I I really like what she said about not allowing fear to control you. Uh, and and it was fascinating the idea, and it's not the first time I've heard this that that although she's anxious in everyday life when she's on stage and performing, that anxiety goes away. I found what she had to say about her religious faith really interesting. There were some great things that she said. I was an account manager. I don't do maths. It's a great little thing. and and that the point about, being a people person is good as well. And and finally, interesting that she said that uh, being a stand-up comedian is what got her her last job. Because I suppose the point is, if you study drama, it's not necessarily going to lead to a career in the arts, but having that backstory and those skills that you acquire studying a degree in drama, they will open up doors for you and possibilities which you might not have imagined previously. And if you know, people see on your CV that you've done a bit of stand-up or whatever it is, then... Bang! That's going to get asked about in the interview, and you've got a story to tell, and you've got a way of showing them what what you're capable of. Right, that's that's it for this episode. Uh, it's really nice talking to you, and I'll see you again for our next episode of the Proper Job Gradcast. Got to, got to, get the proper job.